Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Call free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. We're at the Southern Bank Corps studio here in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Got a full show. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joining us later. We've got the football schedule is out for next year. We've got a lot of baseball news to talk about today as well. And of course, basketball on everybody's mind. Glad you're with us this afternoon. First segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss, proud supporters of our program, and we're happy to say very good friends of ours. Uh, they make great food seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg. They can cater any event for you, large or small, and we guarantee you that you'll be happy with what you get from Dickie's Barbecue. All right, men and women in action tonight. The ladies are at home. Let's talk first about the men. They're on the road. They're going to be playing at the Cajun Dome tonight in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, against the always tough and snarly raging Cajuns of uh, Louisiana University. Jay Walker is the play-by-play voice that will be broadcasting for the Cajuns tonight. Makes uh, another, I think, numerous appearances now on the Eagle Hour, Jay, and we're always glad to hear from you. Well, I, I'm always glad that you asked me. Snarly, huh? Snarly, <laughs> that's a great word. I Look, the next time I play Scrabble, I'm going to try to get snarly. There you go. Oh, it's got to be worth 16 points anyway, somewhere yeah. in there. Oh, got to be. Got to be. So, well, let me tell you why I say that. I asked the great Reggie Collier a couple of years ago, Reggie, what was the toughest football team you ever played against? And this was his reply, Jay. Any team from Louisiana. He said any and every time he played football against kids from Louisiana, he knew that it was going to be tough. We see that in the Raging Cajuns, whether it's baseball or football. And uh, you think we'll see that tonight, basketball? Well, well, we better, because if we don't see that tonight, the Cajuns are going to be in some trouble. Um, you know, look, I think the Cajuns have a good basketball team. Uh, they're 10-4, and four, but they've lost three in a row now. Now, one of those was pretty understandable because it was the University of Texas. Um, but, but the other two games, uh, you know, opening up conference play, uh, the Cajuns uh, against Coastal Carolina had a 10-point lead, less than five minutes to go, and they did not get a defensive stop in the last five minutes of the game, and Coastal came back to win uh, in the game against uh, Old Dominion. The, uh, the Cajuns got uh, out-rebounded. And Old Dominion had a 16 to nothing run, opened up a 22 point lead. Cajuns were able to cut it to one possession, but couldn't, uh, couldn't get any closer. And 
they haven't defended very well uh, in the last few games. And so if it's going to get snarly tonight, the Cajuns better bring their A game because Southern Miss is going to. Did it surprise you at all, Jay, that a lot of the prognosticators, and I mean a lot of the preseason prognosticators, had the Cajuns among the top three teams pretty much across the board in the Sun Belt this year going into the season? I wasn't surprised that they were in the top three. I was surprised that the coaches picked them number one. Because with James Madison uh, coming into the league, and we knew they were going to be good, and uh, you know we saw what Marshall brought in uh, to their program, I, I thought both of those teams probably would have been valued higher than the Cajuns, but they weren't. The Cajuns were picked first. That was a surprise to me. But but I'm not surprised that they were picked in the top three. I mean, I I think the Cajuns have a good basketball team. Uh, they've got a lot of things that that work in their favor. They just haven't defended very well lately, and um, and it's cost them a couple of games. Are you surprised? Uh, is the Cajun Nation a little bit surprised at the the metamorphosis and almost you know rising from the ashes? This Southern Miss program now, which is getting national attention, coming from nowhere last year to all these headlines this year. You know, I spell good coaches P L A Y E R S. And unfortunately exactly for Southern right. Miss, they haven't had enough of them. Uh, and so what did he do? He cleaned house with his coaching staff. He brought in some guys who could go out and get some players. He accepted transfers. But now he's got talent. You know, Jay Ladner's a good basketball coach. I mean, heck, we knew him from when he was over at Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, and we know the guy can coach. But what he didn't have was enough players. So he, he got some assistant coaches who knew how to recruit who knew how to use the portal, and he's brought in some talent. So, you know, I, I think that Southern Miss obviously wasn't valued very high because all of the most of their guys are newcomers. But, but if you go out and get kids who can play, you can win. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, that Southern Miss showed really right out of the chute that these new guys that they brought in were coming to compete, and uh, they've done a good job of it. No question. Jay, we're all familiar, obviously, with Raging Cajun baseball and with football. Some of our listeners may not be as familiar with your basketball program. What sort of atmosphere will the Golden Eagles walk into tonight? On a given night, what sort of atmosphere do you have in the Cajun Dome? It's it's hard to get atmosphere in the Cajun Dome because the Cajun Dome's just too big. You know, nowadays, and and... You know, I, I think that college basketball in the Deep South, unless you're playing in the Southeastern Conference, I, I just think that, that interest has waned a whole lot. Now, I remember when the Cajuns used to average over 6,000 a game, and when they got a, a big rival come into the Dome, it was nothing to draw eight, nine, ten thousand. 10,000. But they're averaging about 2,700, which is about what Southern Miss averages. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we make it three thousand tonight, but it's hard to get atmosphere when you have three thousand in an arena that holds twelve six. Is that how big it is, really? One, one of the yeah. one of the questions that's kind of been floating around, Jay, as we continue our discussion with Jay Walker, the radio play by play voice of the Raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana, who the Eagles will face tonight on the basketball court, is does the Sun Belt deserve? more than one bid in the tournament this year, generally speaking, just on the surface? No. And, and, and the reason that I say no so quickly is 
Nobody in the Sunbelt Conference plays the kind of schedule non-conference that you need to play to get anybody's attention. You know, the, the, the Sun Belt sits here that most of the teams play three non-D1s, uh, and, and most of your, um, most of the games you play, you play regionally because nobody wants to spend the money, uh, to put your team on an airplane to go, to go play somebody. And, and if it sounds like I'm being critical of the teams in this league, it's because I am. You know, I, I think that, uh, I think they schedule poorly. And until they go out and schedule better, uh, and are, are willing to, to travel better because flying commercial is, is just not the way to go. Uh, you know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, teams like Old Dominion and Marshall and James Madison are well valued. It's because they travel better. They charter most of the places that they go. And so until the teams in the league decide to put some money into basketball, then the Sun Belt's going to continue to be a win-bid league. And I don't care if they got four teams that win 20 games. Hmm. They're not going to deserve more than one bid until they put some money in their programs and go schedule better. Good, honest uh, answer. I appreciate that. Uh, Jay, uh, a couple minutes left. Uh, names uh, on the Cajun uh, basketball team that Golden Eagle fans should be watching and listening for tonight. Well, Jordan Brown was the preseason player of the year in the league. Brown started his career uh, at Nevada, and then Eric Musselman got the job at Arkansas, so he went to Arizona, where he was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year, and then Sean Miller got fired, uh, and so he winds up at Louisiana. Now, his father, Dion Brown, was a great player in Raging Cajun history. He's in the he's in the Raging Cajun Hall of Fame, and so... Um, you know, Jordan has decided he was with us last year. He's averaging right at 20 a game. Uh, he's 6'11", and he's got good skills around the basket. Uh, Themis Folks is fifth in the nation in assists. He's got six and a half assists per game. Uh, very good distributor of the basketball. And uh, the Cajun guards uh, are all capable of shooting it. You know, Greg Williams Jr. has had himself a good year so far. He's averaging almost 14 a game. And the Cajuns have welcomed back Kobe Julian. Julian was a third-team all-conference guy last year who uh, tore his ACL in the last regular season game. Now, Kobe's been injured quite a bit during his career. He's actually a fifth-year sophomore. Um, but, but he's a guy who just started playing last week. He played in the two games uh, at uh, Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion, and, and I think he's going to help this team. Of course, he's still shaking off some rust. But, but Kobe's a good basketball player. But it, it all starts with Jordan Brown. The Cajuns like to play inside out. Brown's going to get a touch, or Folks is going to penetrate and then kick it out. But they're an inside-out team with their offense, and they have some guys who are capable of shooting it from the perimeter, although they didn't shoot it very well uh, on the road. The other thing this Cajun team's got to do a better job of is get to the free-throw line. Uh, you know, they're a good free-throw shooting team, but they're only averaging 11 free-throws a game Uh, in their first two conference games while the opponent is averaging 22 free throws a game. Now, you're going to lose a lot of games when the other team shoots twice as many free throws as you did. No question. Always uh, great visiting with you, Jay. Look forward to having you back on our program again in the near future. And uh, and thanks, as always, for your time, my friend. I appreciate you having me on. And um, let's have a good one at the Cajun Dome tonight. I'm all in favor of it. There we go. Jay Walker, everybody. Play-by-play voice of the Raging Cajuns. We'll be right back.
She's waiting for you. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right. I want to thank Jay Walker. He's such a great guy. Voice of uh, Louisiana, University of Louisiana, Raging Cajuns. And what a great answer Kelly Santer did uh, he give when you asked him about the Sun Belt being a one-team basketball league. And the point is, is well made. But, you know, the old adage that takes money to make money. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of these universities in the Sun Belt would love to be able to charter their players. I'm sure Southern Miss would love to be able to to charter basketball, you know, trips to wherever they go in the country. But it, it takes money to do that. And um, generally yeah. speaking, you know, we don't have that money uh, to be doing All that. Right. So we promoted that game, and obviously that's a big game tonight. So, but don't forget the ladies are here in town. Uh, they're being in the uh, green tonight and again Saturday, right? The women play tonight at 6 o'clock. The men's game that we talked about with the Cajuns, that's at 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN+. Plus. You'll be able to view that one. I know 4th Street Bar and Grill is going to have a crowd uh, watching that game tonight over there. So if you want to watch the game among Eagle friends, uh, you'll know you'll be able to certainly do that at 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, this segment sponsored by our good friends at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street, also campusbookmart.net. I want you to, to uh, tell Miss Kathleen that her friends on the Eagle Hour say hi anytime you go in. And uh, remember, I guarantee you, she's always thinking ahead. Got a lot of good basketball apparel there right now, and I'll bet you baseball apparel, uh, Kelly Sander, coming in daily. Well, the baseball team's going to start uh, reporting for classes here right after next week. The Martin Luther King holiday gets behind us, and then the, then the guys report for for school, and then it's hitting the field, and they'll have about three or four weeks to get ready for the opener. Gosh, that's hard to believe, isn't it? Keep me focused, Kelly. Keep me focused. Yeah, we have on, a basketball on, season on to get through, day. Bob. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation, uh, joins the Eagle Hour. And uh, Heath, uh, Sunbelt Conference football schedule uh, released here within the last few hours. Uh, the Golden Eagle is going to play host to Troy, Texas State, Old Dominion, Louisiana, Monroe. They'll be on the road at Louisiana. Arkansas State, and South Alabama. I believe I have that right. Uh, your thoughts about uh, about the football schedule, and uh, should that be a nice draw for season ticket sales? It'd be a nice draw for season ticket sales, but uh, they didn't do any, didn't give any Southern Miss any benefit on the uh, cross-division rivals when you got to go play Old Dominion and uh, Appalachian State. So That's uh, right. You know, at it's, Appalachian it's State, a- I should add that. At at Appalachian State, you got you host Old Dominion. So I guess you know the whole rock and rock thing. Both schools stadium named the Rock um, might be something that they could uh, use to uh, get a lot of interest in that game. Uh, it's going to be a fun schedule, man. The Sun Belt and football was just fun this year. Kelly, yeah. I seemed like every team could beat anybody. Yeah, I, I just realized, guys, you're. On the road at Louisiana, South Alabama, and Appalachian State. Thank you. Well, South Al is, is a game that can be driven, right? The very, very uh, first game, I think, a couple of years ago was uh, in Will Hall's very first game, I think, as coach was at South Al. So that one can be driven. And really, Lafayette is not that far away. But one of the things the Eagles did not draw is Coastal Carolina. Yeah. So that's, I mean, if, if there's a bright side to the scheduling, and, that would be one and, point. And am I right, the uh, the non-conference Heath will be will be Tulane, Alcorn, at Florida State, at Mississippi State? 
that's that's what I'm understanding. I don't think they've officially may officially announced Alcorn, but yeah, Alcorn will be the FCS out of it. Tulane, Mississippi State, and Florida State. And that that week before Thanksgiving this year is going to be a, a big Mississippi week for football because the Mississippi State Southern Miss game is the Saturday prior to the Egg Bowl game. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a lot of so Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss uh, talk there. So. Scratch, with all due respect, the Alcorn game. A pretty attractive home schedule. You're going to have Tulane, Troy, Old Dominion, Monroe, and Texas State all here in town next year. Right? Yeah, the, the Troy, the Troy having Troy at home, uh, having Tulane at home. Yeah, Texas State should be improved. Old Dominion is a proved team. Monroe, it should be interesting to see what Coach Bowden will do if he's going into his uh, third or fourth season. So really a... Uh, a really interesting home schedule for people that want to see some good football, that's for sure, and teams coming in. And plus, you get, look, Alcorn coming in, you're always going to get, uh, let's just be honest, the fans, you can never go wrong getting to watch Alcorn State's band. But that's worth the price of admission itself. Well, Heath Hinton, one of the discussions, one of the big questions that Eagle fans had in this off season for football is, what would be the future of Ty Keyes out of Taylorsville, who is the, the highly heralded quarterback, who is also a baseball player, but injuries put him on the sidelines each of the past two years. And although we don't know the eventual landing spot, it is reported that he has entered the transfer portal, Ty Keyes making himself available to go elsewhere. Your reaction to that? Not surprised. Not surprised at all. I mean, he's... he's Played with injury since he got here. Uh, highly recruited guys come in, and look. Sometimes it's just better when you've had things go against you, injuries that put you out for a couple of seasons, just to cut cords and start somewhere new. This could be the best for both schools, to where Southern Miss can move on with their quarterback position, and he can move on and find him somewhere else to play. Not surprised at all, and I think it's a move for. Uh, I think it's a good move for both parties, to be honest with you. All right, so he he leaves. Uh, Trey Lowe leaves. He's in the transfer portal. That leaves Wilkie, uh, and then you've got two new kids coming in. One from Houston, one from uh, Clemson, and I believe a, a recruit out of Tuscaloosa in high school coming in. Where does that leave Wilkie? It leaves Wilkie the only really quarterback that has a lot of experience uh, on the field coming back. Look, it's it's going to be an open quarterback battle there's no question coach hall went out and got him two guys out of the transfer portal and, and may not be done yet if there's a right fit i'm really sure that coach hall and him will sign him sign the guy but it has to be the right fit they're just not going to go out and sign any quarterback he said that so many times they just don't go they're at the point now when they're filling the roster that they're not just signing for numbers they're signing for roles and how they fit in the offense and look you've got nine quarterbacks there now uh with Ty Keys leaving, that's a lot of quarterbacks in the quarterback room as it is. So uh, I think after spring, you may even see one or two more hit the portal if they find out they're not going to have a place on this team come fall. So there might be a couple of more exits. So I think you're just going to see Wilkie's the only guy that has any returning experience. And this fall, this spring is going to be a fascinating time to watch the quarterbacks yeah. and see who's playing where and who does what well. And see these two uh, transfers we got coming in, the freshman. You know, he's coming off of a leg injury, the young man from Tuscaloosa. So uh, 
Uh, spring is going to be fascinating this year. Uh, Kelly, I contend this football team, as it stands today, is a quarterback away from being very good. Uh, agreed. But but you can't. But quarterback needs to be capitalized. Every letter in that word needs to be capitalized. We talked yesterday. When you look at the NFL, all the teams that have made the playoffs all have marquee quarterbacks. B R A D Y. They have marquee quarterbacks. <laughs> and I understand we may have news about him coming later in the week. Um, that guy that you just mentioned, but but they all. You have to have a quarterback. This has got to be driving Will Hall up the wall and Heath you talked about the spring being captivating you know this is this is way too early the ink is barely dry on this past season but who who would go into spring drills in your opinion and spring drills are going to be early this year you know compared to years past who do you think goes in as QB1 going into spring drills I don't think they have one it's wide open yeah I don't think there is a QB1 I think it's a wide open quarterback battle and we'll see what happens during spring. I think more as we get into the spring, you might see some things shape out. But as far as right now, there is no quarterback one. There is no quarterback two. There's no quarterback three. Everybody's in there. They're all going to get a chance to see who's the best. And uh, I, that's why I think this spring is going to be so fascinating. It's a position that anybody could take the lead with how they play, with what they bring to the table as far as uh, – you know, are they a good runner? Are they a good passer? What's Coach Hall going to want to do in this circumstance? That's what watching spring football at Southern Miss this year will probably be uh, one of the most 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 watched springs that I can remember in recent years. I think I think because somebody's going to have to be listed as QB one. This is highly speculative on my part, but just based on the fact that he's been here a year, I would think that. For the matter of the paperwork, if nothing else, Wilkie would have to be your QB1 going into spring. But I, I totally agree with Heath that this thing is wide open. But it is, it is an issue that's got to be solved, Bob. I mean, long-term uh, no question. success of this program, you've no got to have a QB. And, and nobody does that better than Will Hall. He's, uh, he'll be on top of it, and I'm optimistic. I, I, again, I think we're a quarterback away from being a, a regular contender to win the Sun Belt. And Hayes Maples, uh, the – who's injured his ACL now twice, says he is coming back. And we but, hope he does. Oh, man. <laughs> you talk about a guy that's tough. Yeah. Man, he's determined to make it work. Real quick. Just remember, guys, this team this team beat the Cotton Bowl champs when they had a quarterback play very yeah. well. Real quickly, Heath, how do you join Big Gold Nation? You just go to southernmiss.rivals.com and uh, click join. Eight nine nine a month. Uh, $100 a year is cheaper for the year. Come join, have fun. We're talking football, baseball, and basketball. Big game tonight. All right, thanks, Heath. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation, everybody. He'll be back with us next week. Kelly and I will be back. Good news from the Buffalo Bill world just breaking an hour or so ago. And uh, a lot of baseball news we're going to get to. Hang on. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Heath Ed from Big Gold Nation uh, for joining us. Also, our, our our good friend, the play-by-play voice of the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 
Always appreciate our time with Jay Walker. We thank him for coming on the show. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They'll have the basketball game on tonight. Probably catch the ladies on one TV and the men on another TV would be my guess. The ladies play tonight at 6 o'clock. The men at 7. You can be sure to follow all the action. 4th Street Bar and Grill. Grab yourself a big old shrimp poor boy sandwich and a cold Pabst Blue Ribbon. And sit back and watch basketball. Yes, wow. you can get a Paps Blue Ribbon, believe That's it or not. Exactly right. Tall boys. <laughs> at 4th Street Tall Bar and Grill. Paps Blue Ribbon. You talk about old school, brother. That's old school good. Yeah, <laughs> yes. all at 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'll be sure to tell Slay the gang we said hello. And don't forget, you know, if you can, get to Reed Green tonight, 6 o'clock. The ladies take on the Louisiana Raging Cajun lady basketball team. And, uh, That'll be a good game as well, Kelly. And, man, it's it's amazing the season so far that the Lady Eagles have had. Um, because, again, we kind of mentioned it yesterday. After that carry game, uh, Coach Joy Lee McNellis was almost exasperated because she, was, she didn't even know who she was going to have available. Didn't even know if she was going to have five players healthy, you know, going forward. But things are coming into shape. They're playing great defense. And 2-0 and in the conference, both of those wins coming on the road – one of them against last year's defend, you know, the defending champions. So it's been a right. great start for the Lady Eagles. All right, let's talk a little baseball. Tanner Hall, this comes as no surprise, named as a preseason All-America by Perfect Game. Tanner Hall, of course, the, uh, the right-handed ace from Zachary, Louisiana. Second time he's been named preseason All-America. Consensus All-American from last spring earned a first-team preseason honor by Perfect Game after going 9-3 last year with a 2 8 ERA, this is amazing here, Kelly. One hundred and forty-six strikeouts, fourteen walks. We've talked about how in pro baseball, if you have a three-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio, that's what you're shooting for. So, for the ease of the math, you know, three strikeouts for every walk that you give up. He's got a ten-to-one walkout walk-to-strikeout ratio. That's that's unheard of. Right, and. Uh, Tanner obviously will be the ace. He, he along with the uh, Gold Eagle first baseman Christopher Sargent, who was also named a preseason All-America by Collegiate Baseball, both of those kids on the Collegiate Baseball uh, preseason All-America squad. Listen to what I'm about to say to you people. The Golden Eagle 2023 baseball season opens up in about five weeks, February the 17th. They'll entertain Liberty at Pete Taylor Park at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. When, when are we going to get rid of Liberty? seems like those clowns are always uh, – <laughs> we play them in are. football, basketball, now baseball. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to Conference USA, right? So. All right, here's some more baseball news that I found interesting. Uh, it, Kelly and I are very familiar with one of these young men, but two Southern Miss incoming players, Matthew Etzel and Tate Parker – were each named among the top 50 Impact Junior College transfers Wednesday by D1 Baseball. Uh, Etzel earned the number one overall spot in the ranking. That's pretty impressive. Tate Parker comes in at number 40 in the nation. Uh, Etzel played at Panola Texas College. He hit 391. Uh just a big-time player, a left-handed hitter combining power and pure hitting ability in the batter's box, according to D1, with above-average arm strength, speed, and strong defense in the outfield. Parker, who's been on the Eagle Hour and is a delightful kid, he comes here from Pearl River Community College, not pretty good himself. He uh, had two 
All America Seasons at Pearl River last year, get this, hit 450, 19 home runs, which was fifth in the NJCAA, 11 doubles, three triples, 65 RBI. I think we see a little punch coming to the batting lineup, Kelly. I think everybody said last year if the Eagles had a weakness, which, you know, you're looking at a minor weakness by the way they played, but if they had a weakness, it was lack of pop in the lineup. Both of those guys certainly add that. All right, then Graham Crawford comes back to his own backyard, the Summerall prep that that signed in Alabama, now has come back to Southern Miss. Crawford, a switch-hitting catcher, all right, his durability is amazing. He's never missed a game because of injury, going back to his sophomore year at high school. And what's particularly noteworthy about that is it's as a catcher, right? Catchers are the guys that get beat to death, right? He's never missed a game. Hits from power with both sides. Cannon arm. Runs exceptionally well for a catcher. Um, those, those are three guys. You know, if, if they get, get in the lineup, which you certainly would think they would to whatever degree, are going to add to that offensive punch for Southern Miss. All right, the big question, of course, will be the pitching staff. Six kids, uh, which I think was a record, too, signed uh, in the off, uh, at the end of last year uh, by Major League Baseball, professional baseball. But the ace in the hole there is that you have your, you have your stud coming back and you have Christian Ostrander coaching pitchers. Yeah, be- because it, it, six was a big loss, Bob, but when you look at the fact that about 18 were rostered, Right, And a lot of those guys were really good pitchers that just didn't get a whole lot of playing time because of who was ahead of them. I, I'm not as concerned about the pitching staff as perhaps you know, others would be, not only because of, of Ostrander, but because there was just really quality depth there waiting in the wings. Uh, and there's no reason to think now that where the Southern Miss program is that there would ever be a situation as a rebuild. I mean, they're going to be able to attract – top-notch talent, you know, whether it be from JUCO. And it doesn't hurt the fact that you're national junior college champions 30 miles down the road, you know, in Poplarville. So there's going to be a good good influx of players there. Jones is another 30 miles the other direction. Jones always puts together some good uh, junior college teams. So, you know, the health, of, the health of the Southern Miss baseball program is probably as good as it's ever been. Of course, the other uncertainty will be the league. It's just a brand new group of schools that you're playing, and uh, so you you look on you you look on the western side of the league. You got Lafayette. Well, we know about them. They're always going to be tough. <laughs> we certainly all know about South Alabama, uh, Georgia Southern. They hosted a regional this last year. Right. Then you go to the other side of the bracket, Texas. Well, Texas State is in this on the side west. Of the they hosted, did they not? Or they played? They played in a regional. They played. They played at a regional. Then you go to the east, and you well, you've got Coastal Carolina, who won the entire thing, uh, you know, just a few years ago. So, so clearly they're a a top flight program. Old Dominion, which which I say today should have been in. I, I think maybe was the best baseball team I saw all year. Yeah, I think but, if anybody got the short end of the stick last year, it was Old Dominion as far as yeah. those choices go. And you know, Scott Barry's always been been very. Um, very complimentary of Conference USA as a league Correct. when it came to baseball. Understandably so, for sure. But I don't. But I don't think this. I don't think the Sun Belt takes a backseat to Conference USA, particularly in baseball. When you just went down the resumes of a lot of these schools, and every single week, I mean, there's there's no 
it's not a surprise to me, Bob, that, that there's record season ticket sales this year at Southern Miss because it doesn't matter who comes to the Pete this spring. They're going to be great teams. They're, they're, they're just, it does not seem to be an easy out, literally or figuratively, anywhere in that lineup. And if that's not enough for you, here, here's just a little taste of non-conference. You're going to have Dallas Baptist here three games. They're always rated in the top 25. Liberty here three games. Oh, again? The University <laughs> of Illinois here for three games. You're going to play Ole Miss twice. They're only the defending national champions. You're going to play Mississippi State. You're going to play two games against Tulane. You're going to play two games against Southeastern Louisiana. Other than that, it seems pretty easy to me, Kelly. Yeah, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? All right. Uh, but, but going back to what Jay Walker said as to why he thinks the Sun Belt's only a one-team league in basketball, and he said it was because of the weakness of the scheduling. There's no secret as to why Scott Barry is, is trying to get as, as good of teams as possible. It helps your RPI, your strength of schedule, so that if you don't win your conference tournament, you know that you get one of those at-large bids. And I think that's the way to go. I think it really started with Denny Crum. Back in the days with uh, Louisville, um, Louis, the Louisville basketball coach who, if he wasn't playing in conference, he wanted to play UCLA. He wanted to play DePaul. He wanted to play North Carolina, you know, uh, Kansas, whoever he could play. Whether they won or lost, it was a feather in their cap to be playing and not dodging the good competition. I've probably said this before. I, I had the great honor of interviewing him when I was the sports director at WDAM. And I asked him that very question, and I'll never forget his answer. I don't care how many basketball games I win in December. I only care about how many I win in March. And it's because of some of those wins and losses, frankly, in the early part of the season that earns you the right to play in March. I think uh, this is kind of a little editorial comment that I'm going to make, but I think in this uh, mentality of society now where everybody gets a trophy, I think you're losing sight that that doesn't make a player better. What makes a player better, I don't care if it's travel soccer or travel baseball or softball, you want to play the best teams possible so that your youngster sees what good competition is, visualizes it, and then becomes as good as some of the other players that have beaten them in their career. That's right. All right, we're going to give you some good, improving news out of Buffalo, out of the Buffalo Bills camp. Talk a little NFL football. And uh, recap what's in store basketball-wise tonight when we get to the final edition, final segment of the Eagle Hour today. Hang on. Southern Miss to the top. All right, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Uh, we've had a good time talking baseball, football, basketball. Uh, talk a little NFL for just a couple minutes that are left. And first, some good news. Uh, DeVar Hamlin uh, with the Buffalo Bills uh, reportedly is conscious now. Opened his eyes uh, last night. Is uh, in some form, we don't know exact details, communicating uh, with his doctors and uh the term that was used was neurologically sound, but still in critical condition. The Bills will actually practice today 
probably right now for the first time since Monday night. So still, you know, still uncertain, Kelly, and a, and a long way to go for that young man. But positive news, no question. Indeed. And now the NFL, uh, it, it looks as more time goes by, Bob, that the Bengals-Bills game, which is when this happened on Monday night, is going to be declared a no contest. Um, now, I know the next question you're going to ask is, what, what does that mean? We don't know either, um, because it essentially then becomes a bye week for the Bengals and Bills, uh, and when you're trying to determine seeds for the playoffs, and again, this is, this is down the road, um, but when you're trying to determine seeds for the playoffs, that was a really big game, Cincinnati and Buffalo, because um, you know Cincinnati could have potentially had a shot at the number one seed. Of course, the Raiders would have to beat the Chiefs this weekend, which statistically you know, won't happen. But uh, so there's still some things that need to be need to be ironed out. But it but it does appear that the Bills and Bengals game will indeed not be mm-hmm. finished and go on the board as a no contest. And so does that benefit the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I, there are a lot of, and that's one of those questions that remains uh, unanswered as to where do you where do you fit these teams in the different slots? You know, in in when it comes to the playoffs, because um, obviously if Kansas City beats. Las Vegas now the Raiders this weekend that would that would clear up any discrepancy there might have been because the Chiefs would have been the number one seed anyway and would get that by um, yeah. but then but then I don't know that it really matters where the Bills and Chiefs the the Bengals could not be any worse than a three seed going into that Bills game nor could the Bills so I don't know that that there's a whole big difference as to whether Buffalo or Cincinnati is two or three and the only time it would have an effect at all is if the two eventually faced each other at some point in the postseason. One thing you heard throughout the media uh, over the past week was this was unprecedented. This had never happened before in the NFL. But when you and I first saw each other Tuesday, we both knew, you brought it up, we both knew that's not correct. This did happen before in the NFL. Chuck Hughes, a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, it was Thanksgiving Day. Of 1968. I, I remember watching it on television. The Lions at that time played at the old Tiger Stadium. And uh, Chuck Hughes was a wide receiver, went to the, you know, went as a wide out or whatever to take his, and then just, just fell. And, uh, and he, he, his circumstances not as good as, as DeMar's. I mean, he, he died. I mean, he had a massive heart attack and dropped there on, on the field. But back then, it was kind of, they just took him off and they resumed the game. And because, Back then, there was no social media. There was not everybody communicating via phones and so on. You didn't know his condition, and we didn't learn until well after the game was over that Chuck Hughes had passed away. They broke the huddle. He went to his wideout position, and as they got ready to line up, he fell backwards and died. I remember it, I remember it too. Yeah. And all we knew at the time was that they took him off the field. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't know as to exactly what had happened until after the game but you know as technology has advanced there's going to be very very few things that are ever going to happen in the world going forward that you're not going to know pretty much right away what's going on so you a little were you a little surprised at all that so many in the sports media were not aware of that and erroneously reported this has never happened in the nfl before did that surprise you well the way that i took that comment was more the scheduling bob that the game didn't go on not necessarily that the event like that had happened. That no one had ever suffered a cardiac failure during an NFL game. That No, the way I read it was that, like even when the thing with Chuck Hughes, the game went on. 
That's but, but again, the circumstances were different. I, the way that I read it was never has an injury taken place where a game was okay. stopped and potentially be right about that. will not yeah. be played. I don't know. It's just a matter of interpretation. Yeah. So, well, we hope, we hope that the young man's recovery obviously continues and, uh, would encourage everybody to say a prayer for him every night. And but, and one of the one of the commentators said on TV they are in a contact sport. There is no doubt about it. Um, and that, but that was one of those freak plays. I you know there are some some uh, people out there that were blaming the Bengals wide receiver, uh, saying it, oh, it oh, and oh. and Hamlin's own father said that's ridiculous. And and you know Kelly, they are the modern day gladiators. They are. They are. They're the biggest, fastest, toughest athletes in the world. They play the most violent game in the world, and we all love the game of NFL football. And they're compensated well and make life-changing money for generations in their families. Right. But that's this is one of the risks that you take. That's right. Yeah. All right, Lady Eagle basketball tonight at 6 o'clock, Reed Green Coliseum. The men tip it off at 7 at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette. Good luck to the Lady Eagles. And the Golden Eagles, and we'll give you all the results and all the analysis tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Keep these winning streaks going, teams. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Mississippi Media Production.